Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. This TV show is coming to you from the great state of Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes. And one weekend every May is a big deal. It's fishing season opener when people head out to northern Minnesota to fish on 10,000 lakes for the summer. But do you know that Jesus said, fishing season is open all year long. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You can do that all year long. <laughs> when I was a boy, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. There aren't lakes in Nebraska. My dad loved to fish. In the summer, he'd put the whole family in the station wagon. We'd head up to Minnesota for two weeks and we would fish. <laughs> and I was kind of an antsy little boy. I'm still pretty type A. And we'd get on the lake and after an hour, I'd say, well, thank you, Dad, that was fun. Can we go in? And after two hours, Dad, can we go in? Three hours, Dad. And I, <laughs> I got really sick of fishing. But, you know, I don't get sick of fishing for men. I mean, it's, it, it, there is, when I'm sitting next to somebody on the airplane or I'm out at a restaurant and I meet somebody, there's no greater thrill than being able to talk to someone about Jesus. Jesus talked in fishing terms. He did uh, fishing parables. We're going to look at one of them today and we're going to learn how to fish for men, women, boys, and girls, and, and bringing people into the kingdom. So would you turn in your Bible to Mark chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 13, and let's pray before we begin. Father, we pray that for every person watching this program, that we will become fishers of men, that we, you will use each of us to talk to our families, our friends, the strangers about the importance of Christ. And, and Lord, speak to us now by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The parable of the fishing net, Matthew chapter 13, and we beginning at verse 47. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like, let's stop there. What is the kingdom of heaven? When you pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, what are you praying? Well, there's two aspects. I think most of us, when we pray thy kingdom come, we're thinking the future aspect. May Jesus come back at the second coming, raise the dead, judge the world. May the end come. And that is true. But there's also, secondly, a present tense. May your kingdom come today in my heart. Today, Lord Jesus, would you rule over me as king. So here's the first lesson I want you to get. The kingdom of God is something future and present. And we're going to see both aspects in this very parable. Look at verse 47. It's right there. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is present tense like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. The present tense kingdom of God is the church. Right now, the Christian church on earth is the kingdom of God in the present tense. And this verse teaches there's all kinds of 
fish in the net. You've got Korean fish in the church. You've got American fish. You've got old fish, young fish, rich fish, uh, poor fish, black fish, white fish, all kinds of fish in the net. And we're going to learn from this parable. You've got real fish in the net, and you've got fake fish in the net. Here's the next lesson. Not everybody in the church is the church. Let me tell you a story. This is the steeple of the very historic, yet now very liberal, Central Lutheran Church in downtown Minneapolis. Let me tell you the story of why this big, huge iron cross is hanging upside down. Back in 2009, the liberal branch of the Lutheran Church that I used to be part of is called the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. In 2009, Lutherans from all over the country came to Minneapolis for their convention to vote on whether to start ordaining practicing homosexuals and whether they're going to bless now gay behavior, uh, allowing gay weddings, etc. The liberals had tried to get this through for years, but now it's 2009 and they gather at this convention center in downtown Minneapolis. Across from the street from the convention center is Central Lutheran Church. They're hosting the gay lobby. They have set up beer tents on Central Lutheran's lawn so that across the street they could influence the convention in the direction of the gay vote. Two o'clock, I think, on a Wednesday afternoon, and this was nowhere forecast, a tornado comes, rips part of the roof off, of the convention center. Across the street, the tornado tears, tears up the beer tents on the lawn of Central Lutheran, and the tornado took this huge iron cross and turned it upside down over Central Lutheran Church. It hung like this for months while it was being repaired. After the tornado left, the convention goers went back into the convention. They started the debate. One pastor at the microphone said, well, I hope this weather isn't God's comment on our meeting today, ha ha. And they went ahead and they uh, passed the gay vote to allow gay practicing gay pastors. They passed that by 66.6%. That vote way back in 2009 caused the largest church split in American history. 500,000 people left the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Now uh, we've got two homosexual bishops with husbands. We now have transgender pastors in the ELCA Lutheran Church. Um, and uh, uh, the seminary, one, one seminary is closed. My seminary had to sell off part of their buildings. And um, my point is, not everybody in the church is the church. <laughs> I got a phone call this week from a news agency to, and they interviewed me about her church in California. Her church is an evangelical Lutheran church in America congregation where they worship the goddess Sophia. This is a church run by feminists. They worship pagan goddesses like Asherah. And these, uh, uh, they brought in the priestess of Isis, which is a, an Egyptian god. This is a Lutheran church. They're into crystals. One of their prayers is, Our mother who is within us, holy be your name. It is, it is pagan. It is evil. And when people complain to the, to the bishop, he defends the church. My point is, not everybody in the church is the church. And, and, and as I 
if you see the show enough, you know it drives me nuts, all the false teaching now, and not just the Lutheran Church, but Presbyterian Church, USA, United Church of Christ, Episcopal Church. You know what this parable tells me? Well, Tom, remember, Jesus said, there are going to be fake fish in the church until the end. <laughs> so here we go. Let's, let's look. Verse 48. And when the net was filled, now note, the net isn't full yet. Jesus said in Matthew 24, the gospel of the kingdom must first be preached to all the nations, and then the end will come. So the reason Jesus hasn't come back yet, the net's not full yet. And people say, well, why doesn't Christ return? And, and uh, he answers that in 2 Peter chapter 3, where uh, Peter says, God's just being patient with you. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, because the net's not full. Verse 48, And when the net was full, they drew it up on the beach, and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. Now, look at verse 49. So it will be, will be the future tense of the kingdom now, at the end of the age, the second coming. The angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous. Now, do you see a problem with those verses? Aren't we all wicked? Aren't we all sinners? Doesn't Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Apostle Paul yet says, wretched man that I am. How can God's angels separate the wicked fish from the good fish when we're all wicked? Well, I think here is what this verse means. Yes, we're all sinners. We all deserve hell. But there is something called the blood of Jesus, which can wash you clean. And, and here's, so here's the next lesson. In this verse, the evil are those who reject Christ, and the righteous are those who continually go to Christ. If, yeah, you're a sinner, but do you continually go to him? Do you let him cleanse you by his blood, by his atoning death? Are, are you seeking him? Then you're a good fish. There's a story many years ago of a black man that was led into a southern courtroom. All the jury was white. The judge was white. And the judge said, well, sir, even though you're black and this is an all-white uh, courtroom, I want you to know you're going to get justice in my court. And the black man looked at the white judge and said, sir, it isn't justice that I want. It's mercy. <laughs> How do you know if you're a good fish, if you know you're a sinner, but you come to Christ for mercy, you're seeking his blood, his forgiveness, his death on the cross for your sins, then you're a good fish. Look at verse 50. And the angels will cast them, the bad fish, into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This parable ends on a very serious note. And here's the next lesson, or the last lesson actually. Hell is real. Weeping and gnashing of teeth in the furnace so they asked the head bishop of the liberal ELCA Lutheran Church, Bishop Eaton, is there a hell? And she says to the Chicago newspaper, there may be, but I think it's empty. Well, Bishop Eaton, Jesus said there's a hell. And he did not say it was empty. He said the gate is wide that leads into destruction, and many are they that go therein. There's a hell. 
Somebody said once, if we could take an elevator way down to the depths of the earth and see hell for five minutes and then come back up and live the rest of our lives, our life would never be the same. If you could see hell for five minutes and come back, it would change the way you spend your money, your free time, the way you talk, everything would change. Years ago, I was a youth director at a church and the pastor brought in a movie and showed it to the whole church. It was on hell. It was very frightening. And I can remember one lady coming out of church and said, I will do whatever I have to not to go to that place. Years ago, there was a preacher in Scotland walking on his way to church. He passed the glass factory and the door happened to be open. He had some extra time, so he was wondering, what, what does this look like inside this glass factory? He stepped inside the door, and as he steps inside the door, they open the furnace to the glass, and this heat just comes into his face, almost burns, his, jumps back, and he says, Hootman, what hell must be like? Well, that Sunday, somebody came up to him after church and said, you know, sir, you don't know me, but I work at the glass factory. And I heard what you said this week, and I can't sleep. And I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to find out what, what hell is like. How can I make sure I don't go to hell? And the pastor led him to Christ. Hell is real. So let me ask you the big question from this parable. Maybe you're in the net. Maybe you go to a good church. I hope you do. But you can be in the net and on the last day be thrown into the fire. How do you know for sure if you're a good fish, not a bad fish? Well, again, we're all bad, but the good fish in this parable are those who swim to Christ, embrace his saving death, and, and follow him. Not perfectly, but it's by the grace of Christ that you will be saved. One last, one last story. <laughs> I want to share a, a, a fishing story of sorts. Many years ago, when I was a young pastor, this was when you could still smoke on the airplane, I said a prayer, Lord, put me next to someone that I can talk to about you. And the plane takes off, and I'm sitting next to a guy in his 50s, very nervous. He says to me, I hate flying. The second he can do it, he says, stewardess, I need a drink. And she brought him some alcohol and he lit up a cigarette and he turns to me, well, young man, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a Lutheran pastor. <laughs> and he looked at his drink and his cigarette. This always happens to me. My mother is a Christian and she's always praying for me. And we had a long, deep talk. And I was able to share the whole gospel. We're all sinners. We deserve hell. God came down to, to earth in human form. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins, rose from the dead. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And, and he stopped me and he said, well, back up. What do you mean we're all sinners? You're a pastor. You think you're a sinner? I said, yes. You think you deserve hell? Yes. He, he didn't get it. But you could see he was starting to get And you know what he said to me? <laughs> he said, I think my mother's prayers put you in that seat. And he says to me, I'm a professional fisherman. I take groups from like Honeywell and 3M. I take them out to fish for a day. If I give you a free day of fishing, just you and I, would you talk to me more about these things? And I said, yeah, I would. 
He never called. But you know what? I got his address. He gave it to me before he left. I sent him some salvation tracks on how to be saved. And, and here's my point, everybody. We've got a world full of fish that are lost. You and I are supposed to be throwing that net out, preaching the gospel of Christ to people. And can I just ask you to do one thing from this parable? This week, would you pray every day, Lord, help me talk to at least one person about you, and then just see what happens. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, my first question for you today is, how can a person tell a true church from a false church? You talked about true yes. churches, false churches. Yeah. Well, Jackie, um, you want to stay away, first of all, from the cults. I just got an email from somebody. Pastor Brock, my friend, is a Jehovah's Witness. Is that a good church? And I had to write them back, no. Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe Jesus is God. They don't believe in one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they don't believe uh, that Jesus physically rose from the dead. So stay away from Jehovah's Witnesses. We did a whole show on Mormonism. Who Mormons believe in thousands of gods. And, and if you go to our website, pastorstudy.org, you'll see a whole TV show on why Mormonism is not Christianity. So stay away from the cults, stay away from Christian science, stay away from the New Age churches, the Unity Church and others. Now, the, the traditional uh, Christian churches, uh, Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, Episcopalian, uh, Evangelical, etc., Catholic, they've always believed on the, the right stuff on those issues. But what's become weird is now you've got a cult within Christianity. When you've got certain branches of Lutheranism, Episcopalianism, uh, Congregationalism that are teaching uh, that all roads lead to heaven, you don't have to believe in Christ to be saved. Maybe he didn't physically rise from the dead. You've got cults within the true churches, which is why when you go to a church, Jackie, and you're church shopping, just ask a few questions of the pastor. Pastor, I'm, I'm visiting today. Do you believe Jesus literally rose from the dead? Most do. But do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? Some don't. Do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? Uh, do, do you believe, uh, tell me your beliefs about abortion, premarital sex, homosexuality, and then you'll know if you're in a good traditional biblical church or if you've become part of a congregation you don't want to join. <laughs> okay. Has every nation on earth heard the gospel? Yeah, Jesus said uh, the nations of the earth will hear and then the end will come. The problem is the word nations can mean people groups. Okay. Has every people group heard the gospel? No. Has every nation heard the gospel? I think we're getting to the point where almost every nation has. But people groups, so exactly what that means, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> okay. So. Pastor Brock, do you believe in literal hellfire, mm -hmm. um, darkness, fire, whatever? Right. Yeah. When people ask, do you believe in a literal hell? Well, uh, yes, I do. But, but what they mean is, do you believe it'll be literal hellfire? Is it literally fire? And here's my best response. The Bible uses that image, the lake of fire. But the Bible also uses the image of outer darkness. Well, if there's fire, is there really darkness? So these are images. Uh, 
And, and my response is, there literally is a hell. Jesus called it eternal punishment. Whether it's fire or horrible darkness is not really the point. The main point is, Jackie, we don't want to go there. And so, yes, I believe in a literal hell. What exactly it looks like, only the Lord knows. But uh, let's do whatever, whatever we can not to go there. <laughs> you know, you've talked about some people who have written books on subjects like we're talking yeah. about here. Yeah. Can, is there a sermon on hell that somebody has written? Actually, Jackie, the most famous sermon in American history was written by the Puritan preacher Jonathan Edwards back in the 1700s. Wow. The name of it is ah, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I would just encourage anybody watching this, Google the, the phrase Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God and you will get a sermon. I encourage you to read the whole thing through. By the end of that sermon, if you don't want, he says, there, he says near the end, therefore flee to Christ away from the coming judgment. I mean, we need to hear preaching like that again, Jackie. Yeah, you don't hear it very often, no, that's for don't. sure. Um, so I guess following that, do all denominations believe in hell? They used to. Okay. Every, every Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, Episcopalian believed in hell. That's the official teaching of the Bible. It's the official teaching of all those churches. The problem, Jackie, is that now we have leaders and bishops and professors at seminaries in these churches that don't believe in hell. I'll say it again, I've said it a number of times. They asked the head bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, Bishop Eaton, is there a hell? She said to the Chicago newspaper, there might be, but I think it's empty. There's a woman who's leading the whole church, Lutheran. I mean, Lutherans have always believed in hell, not her. So it, it's, it, do, do the, all churches believe in hell? All traditional biblical churches always have, but things have gone liberal, sadly. Wow, yeah. that's kind of scary, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> when you think about it. What do you say to someone who says, my loving Jesus would never send anyone to hell? My response is, how do you know that? And are you, are you talking about the Jesus of the New Testament who said, depart from me, you wicked, into the eternal fire created by, uh, for Satan and his angels? Or are you talking about the Jesus of your imagination that, well, I can't imagine Jesus doing that, so of course he wouldn't. Well, Jesus is Jesus. He's going to be who he is, whether you think he is or not. <laughs> so yes, he will send people to hell. Okay. Can you t explain what is annihilationism? Yes. That's come up before yeah. the term, but yeah. I don't know that I've really heard a definition. Okay, of it. annihilationism is a way of getting rid of hell, and it runs like this. Well, if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't go to hell. You just annihilate it. You're wiped out. And Jackie, when I was in college, I flirted with this. And I, I was in Bible study, and I said, well, you know, if you don't believe in Christ, you know, he won't send you to hell for eternity. Maybe he'll just wipe you out and your eternal punishment is being destroyed. The problem is, I reread the Bible in, in my first year of college and every time it talked about hell, I wrote it down. Jesus talks about not annihilationism, but people in the outer darkness weeping and gnashing their teeth. They're not annihilated. They're consciously suffering what Jesus called eternal punishment. So you can't really be an annihilationist if you're gonna follow what Jesus said about hell. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, do you believe 
there'll be more people in heaven or more people in hell. All right, now this is, I'm, I, I mean, the answer, I guess the, yeah. one of the things is you said the gate is wide, no man can yeah. number. Yeah, Jesus said, um, the gate is wide that leads to destruction and many are they that go therein. The gate is narrow that leads to life and few are they that find it. In other words, lots of people are lost, a few are saved. Does that mean there's only going to be a few people in heaven? No, because in the book of Revelation, there's the vision of heaven that has so many people, no man could number the number of souls up in heaven. So there's going to be lots of people in heaven. So many people, you can't count them. But the way is still narrow. You have to go through Christ to get into that door. You know, people talk about getting to heaven and seeing their loved ones, but do you think we really will know mm -hmm. them as our loved ones? You know, ones? we get this one a lot, Jackie. I just preached at a church in Florida, and I preached that when you die, you won't be married in heaven because, you know, we don't need to repopulate heaven. And this woman came up afterwards. She was kind of, you mean I'm not going to be married to my husband in heaven? And I said, Jesus said there isn't marriage in heaven. But I said to her, to kind of comfort her, you will, I think you'll know your loved ones in heaven. Jesus said, you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in heaven. Well, I've never met them or seen them, but I'll know that was Jacob over there. And Jackie, I think you will know your loved ones in heaven, but you won't be married to Fred in heaven. Uh, it'll be a whole different realm of relationship. So, so do you think there'll be more people in heaven Nope. Or I'm sorry. We got to go, Jackie. Well, I got a minute and a half. And everybody, uh, just Jackie, thank you for how many years have you been doing this, Jackie? Too many. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie and I, well, this show has been on the air for 31 years. And so just thank you so much the way you've prayed for this ministry out there, the way you've supported this ministry. And if you have a friend that needs to see this show, send them to pastorstudy.org. All of our TV shows are there for free. Or you can, uh, uh, if you want to support us, uh, you help us stay on the air. And the more support we get, the more TV show uh, cities we buy so to spread the word more. And you can support this ministry at pastorstudy.org or there will be an address at the end that people can support. But um, just we ask you, more than the money, <laughs> pray for this ministry because we do feel that the prayers are keeping us going. And for 31 years, we've been doing this program. We've been on nationally now for eight years. So just uh, there that is. But, and if you have Bible questions, feel free to send them in. We do those on the air. But next time, we'll see you a week from now on The Pastor Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441.
4-1. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.